Hi, everyone. Susie O here. Just want to let all of you know that the certificates of deposit at Alliant Credit Union are now at, for a six-month CD, 5%, a 12- to 17-month CD, 5.15%, and an 18- to 23-month CD, 4.90%. And for those amounts of $75,000 or more, just add on 0.5% to those rates. Go to myalliant.com and check it out. All right, Susie, KT, are you ready for today's podcast? Yeah, Robert, of course we're ready. Because we are unstoppable. Yeah. Yeah, baby. <laughs> I'm unstoppable, I'm a pleasure with no breaks, I'm invincible, yeah, I win every single game, I'm so powerful, I don't need batteries to play, I'm so confident, yeah, I'm unstoppable today. Hey everybody. It's Thursday, August 10th, 2023. This is KT, and I'm into, I'm welcoming you to the Women & Money podcast and the Ask Susie Anything Women & Money podcast featuring KT on Thursdays. And we also want to invite everyone to listen. All right. She tried to do that. Wait, I'll How'd do it again. Do? I'll no, do it smoother. You, you did it fine. We I'll do it smoother. That. All right, right. Here's no, a smooth listen, delivery. Only one introduction is August enough. August 10th, 2023. Oh, God. It's hot and steamy. And we're here in the studio where it's nice and cool. And Susie has some cool answers. But how cool can you answers. say it's hot and steamy at the it's, same time we're, when it's cool? You can't we, do that. We're broadcasting from a hot and steamy island, but it's cool in the studio. And Susie is going to answer some very cool questions. All right, she wanted to start the podcast right, this morning. How do you think she did, everybody, August 10th, 2023? Welcome, everybody, to the Women and Money podcast. And everyone's smart enough to listen. Right, do you understand how smooth I am doing this? You're really good. I'm at good at this, She's right? She's very professional. Susie O-N-K-T here, and this is the Ask KT and Susie edition what do you, why well, you tell them how to send their questions in. You, no, no. You tell them. Come on. You could, yeah, Don't tell me no. Come on. Oh, here she goes. <laughs> don't tell me. You don't even know It's too that. hot. I'm too hot. No, come on, Katie. You don't even know how to tell them that? Yeah, you go to. <laughs> <laughs> what do you go to? You go to Ask Susie. Podcast. Podcast.com. No. At Gmail. Do you see? Do you see everybody? All right. Ask Susie podcast at gmail.com. And and if you really want your question answered in the subject line, say, KT, pick me. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, so it's I have some one good of ones. Podca- of course you I'm, do. I'm starting with Sylvia. Oh, all right. Okay, so Sylvia, Sylvia wrote in, I think this is a very fair, good question. Hi, Susie and KT. I have a quick question on stocks that do not pay dividends, such as Tesla, PayPal, Meta, Amazon, and Google. I own these, and I'm wondering if I should be keeping them or investing in stocks that pay dividends. How old is she? She didn't say, but but Sylvia, uh, Susie, I have some questions to add to this. How often do dividends get issued, number one? And number two, is there an average dividend percentage or amount 
that you should be looking for. <laughs> is, is that your question that you would have written in? Oh, this is going to no, be a I'm really spicing strange up podcast. Sylvia has great stocks that she said they don't pay dividends. Of course they and don't. Why don't they, KT? Because they're great stocks, Sylvia. Here's the other thing. <laughs> I read this and I said, Susie, do my apples pay dividend? And she said, sometimes. <laughs> so do these sometimes? All right. So All no, right. here's what you talk, need to Tell under- us about dividends. Right, Let's first, talk let dividends. me talk about why do some stocks pay dividends and others do not. When a stock has just been issued, it's still young and it wants to really grow. They often, KT, take their profits and they reinvest it back into the business so that they grow. They have money to grow and develop. So they usually don't pay dividends so they can maximize their growth. Mature companies, companies that have been around for a while or whatever it may be, established companies with stable cash flow and limited growth opportunities because they've already grown so big may choose if they want to distribute dividends and dividends simply are paid every quarter out of cash flow. And one of the reasons that companies pay dividends is they kind of reward their investors for being a part of them. A lot of people don't like companies that pay dividends because if a company pays a dividend, then you have to pay tax on that dividend, usually as ordinary income. But KT, she's going, well, what's wrong yeah, with what's that? What's wrong with extra money? Who cares? I'll pay taxes if you give me a dividend. But KT, you might not want to pay taxes on a dividend because dividends are usually taxed at ordinary income. And if you're investing in the stock for pure growth, you don't care about the income. You're young, the stock is young, whatever it may be, you're better off to let them take that money and reinvest it in them. So that's why you asked how old Sylvia was. That is. So let me ask ask you if Sylvia is 30 versus 50, then would how would you answer this? No, here's what I would say. First of all, an answer to your question on Apple stock. Yeah. Which I know you I love my apples. Yes. You your manzanas. Manzana. Manzanas. Manzana. Yeah. We're learning Spanish. Yo everybody. como manzana. Yes, you eat apples. That's true. Si. But Apple pays a dividend of what do you think? Does it pay or not? Sometimes you said. No, it pays a dividend of a half a percent a year. That's it. Because Apple is taking the majority of their money and reinvesting it and developing things and things like that. So Sylvia, these are incredible stocks. Meta, Amazon, Google, whatever. Tesla, PayPal, PayPal, we have to watch closely just so you know. But if you're not in need of income, then there's nothing wrong with these stocks as long as you keep an eye on them. So that's what I would tell you. It's hard for me to answer this because I don't know your individual situation. So my but part you, two. What's your part two? My part two? two was, is there an average 
dividend percentage. You just said Apple pays a point. A half a percent. Oh, a half a when, percent. When I go to buy a dividend stock mm. at this point, and I'm buying it for the dividend, for income KT, I want to see it pay at least 4% well, there you or go. more. That's great information. But I'm doing it for the income. income, not necessarily the growth, but there are fabulous companies out there that pay a high dividend and are also great growth companies. So it really just depends. There's no straight across the board. Do you, they go up and down the dividend? They can. So when you're going to or about to buy, what do you look for? When I go KT to look for dividend paying companies, Stocks. for the two of us, yes, right? I not only want a good dividend, but I really want a company that also in the long run will go up in value. So I'm looking for at least a 4% dividend, if not more. And there are companies out there like Pfizer and other companies that pay approximately 4.5% right now. So you can have your cake and eat it too. Mm -hmm. but, but Sylvia has some fabulous companies there. Stocks, great. Okay, next question. I'm here ready. All right, next question is from She just Andy. looked at me like... Well, I didn't know if you were done with the dividends. I've spent enough time <laughs> on this dividend. All right, next question is from Angie. So Angie said, hi, Susie and KT. I appreciate all the great advice you give and the very detailed explanations on complex issues. I'm about to read this thinking Angie has a complex issue. You ready? I have a question about... Well, she says she has a complex issue for but, her. Yeah, but Just because you may not think it's no, a complex I issue think, doesn't I mean it's not... I don't think it's a complex com issue for her either. Well, she just said it was a complex issue. Well, hold on. I have a question about safety deposit no. boxes. Okay. I understand that gaining access to a safety deposit box after the owner's death can be quite challenging, even when you are the trust executor. It's true. True. Now, Angie says, I live in Illinois. I'm the joint owner of a safety deposit box with my 90-year-old dad. Angie, you're so lucky you still have a daddy. I miss mine oh, so much. here we go. Then he <laughs> has a will, a trust, and I am the executor. Will I have a problem gaining access to this after he passes? Legal documents are not in the box. I have them in a safe at home, but there are other important things that I will need to get after he passes. I understand some states will require a probate court to gain access to the box, even if you're the joint owner. I know these boxes are not so popular anymore, but many elderly folks still have them. And I think the topic needs to be discussed. <laughs> and, and I agree with her. A lot of old folks still have safety boxes for, for years. Yeah. But the thing, Susie, that I feel is the solution is he's alive. Ask him for the key or get a second key. You yeah. know what I mean? I yeah. mean, it's that simple, right? It is that He's simple. alive. That's what, the great what thing. What state Angie. did she say she was Illinois. from? Illinois. Susie's from Illinois, Yeah, too. so I happen to know about this because Illinois has what's called the Safety Deposit Box Opening Act. Oh, you're kidding. No, really? I, I, I could be wrong, but I think that's true. <laughs> Are you and, sure that's not like an entertainment opening act? Never mind, never mind. What, never mind, never mind, what never did mind, you eat mind. this morning? All right. But 
But I believe, I could be wrong, you should all look this up, it states that you and certain people have the right to access the contents of a safety deposit box if you're the executor of the deceased person's estate, or maybe you're a co-owner like you are, maybe you're the spouse, the immediate family member. So I think in Illinois, you will be okay. However, forget what state you live in. The truth of the matter is you should not keep a will and a trust by any means in a safety deposit box because you may have to show the bank or the entity where the box is that you are the executor or the trustee of the estate. I would also do exactly what KT said. You have to make sure that your name is on the box as an owner or a co-owner. You should absolutely have a key. And if something were to happen, I would immediately go and take everything out of that box, seriously, if I could. Now, the other thing is this. What is in there that is so important that you need to get at? I would, while your father is still alive, I would go down there. I would go down there with him. I would see what is in the box that you feel you need to have access to. Because I can't imagine besides a will and a trust, what else would be in that box, except maybe cash, things like that. But go down there and say, dad, and talk to him. And if there is something in there that you really will need to get access to, take it out now, get a fireproof box, keep it at your house, and that's where it should be. And just talk to him about it. Because in some states, oh, I'm telling you, it can be very, very tricky. And they are not my favorite thing to have on any level. Next question, KT. <laughs> okay. Next question, 25 married and seeking advice. I like this subject very much, Sabrina. Hi, Susie and KT. Can you help a younger generation? I know many of the listeners are older that you answer, but I'm 25. I've been listening religiously to your podcast since 2021, and I haven't looked back. I like that, Sabrina. My husband and I are 25 years old. We bring in about 160000 a year before taxes with our full-time jobs. We invest with our company matches. We max out our Roth IRAs every year. And now looking to invest in something to earn us some passive income. We thought about real estate. We have no idea where to begin or how. What would you suggest? No real estate, something else. We are lost. Our goal, this is the best part. I don't know if I thought like that when I was 25, but our goal is to retire by the time we are 55. Please help. Sabrina, you're 25. You want to retire when you're 55? I got news for you. I'm Susie and I are over 70 and we never want to retire. All right. So <laughs> what funny. should she do for passive income or more income? Well, I want to say something, Katie. The other day I did an interview 
mm-hmm. it was for older people in the Colorado area. Mm-hmm. I think it was called Growing Boulder. Oh, good. Right. And NPR, that's an NPR, NPR and station. that will come out soon. I recorded it. And the, the thing that I was telling Bill, the interviewer, is that you never think that you're going to grow old. And when you grow old, you don't feel, unless you're not healthy, as if you've grown old. So here we are, 72, and as you can tell this morning, going on 12, right? So it's fascinating that when you're young, that you think 55 is old. You think that you're going to want to retire. And when you actually get there, you probably won't. Just something to think about. So here's what I would say to you. Even though you're maxing out your Roth IRAs, even though you're investing in your company match at your plan, the very first thing I would do is if you do have a company plan, I would invest beyond the match Mm. because you have extra income, obviously, because you're looking to do something else with it. And the greatest thing that you can have in your life are assets that also don't take any money to keep. The thing about real estate that you have to understand, my dear Sabrina, is yes, you can make a ton of money in real estate, but you also need money to keep real estate. You need to pay for the absurd insurance costs Mm, that it takes right now, property taxes, maintenance, all these things. So it's not like real estate is an investment that doesn't require other money to keep it. Also, real estate is an investment that takes time to sell. It costs to sell it. If you're looking at it as passive income, you're dependent on others who are renting from you to pay that rent. Real estate can be very, very complicated. When it comes to the stock market or investing like that, it doesn't cost you anything to keep those investments normally. It doesn't really take any time to sell them. So you say that you invest with your company up to the point of the match. No, if you have extra money, I want you to invest in your company's retirement plan up to the max that you are allowed to invest, which can be like 20 some odd thousand dollars. Mm. So you need to do that. If they have a Roth retirement account where you work, I would be putting money my new money, not I wouldn't be converting the old money. I would be putting my new contributions into the Roth 401k there. And then I would continue to accumulate money. I would either take advantage of these high interest rates, whether it's a money market fund, a CD at Alliant Credit Union, the Ultimate Opportunity Savings Account at Alliant Credit Union, whatever it may be. There are high interest rates in treasuries, everything, for you to just keep saving and saving and saving money. I also would be opening up an investment account at a brokerage firm and dollar cost averaging into a lot of these stocks that are so fabulous. And I would hope 
that the markets go down over time so you could keep investing month in and month out and buy more shares. There are so many things that you can do. Passive income also can come in the form of dividends of what I just talked about in an earlier email. It can also come in the form of interest on CDs and treasuries as well, or money market accounts. So there are all kinds of ways. However, you can always do something, but once you've done it, it's already done. So when it comes to real estate, you have to know more about it. You have to know about what real estate is doing in the area that you happen to live in, all of that. So real estate is a lot harder decision, truthfully, than all the others. We welcome you, my dear youngin, to the Women and Money podcast, as well as everybody smart enough to listen. And it is true, KT. This podcast really is more focused on those that are 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years of age. And why is that? That's because there's probably not another podcast in the world that is focusing on you as you get older. Everybody wants the youngins, but the youngins, if you listen to this podcast, you can sure learn a lot from the elders. All right. Sabrina, good for you and your husband. Yeah. We're really proud of you. Yeah. 25 years old, you're going to be great. Compounding is, is oh, the key. Give her that little... Wait, Susie has hey, a little... You, we are already Come almost... Come on, give her that little... Give her that little tidbit. I think she knows, but my but give favorite... give her the little tidbit. This my is favorite great. thing is you start at 25, which you are. You put just $100 a month, as you know, because you're already doing it in your Roth IRA. She's putting over 500 a month in the Roth. But if you just put $100 a month in a Roth IRA, because I want everybody to be included in this example... And you do so every single month for 40 years until you are 65, and you do it in a good index fund or slices of good growth stocks, you will have, with that 12% annual average rate of return, which is possible over 40 years, $1 million. You wait just 10 years till you are 35. You think, what difference can $100 a year, $100 a a month make, $1,200 a year, $12,000 over 10 years. So you wait till you're 35. Do you know at the age of 65, you would have only $300,000 versus a million. Those 10 years cost you $700,000, which is why, Sabrina, I'm telling you, max out right now your 401k. Max it because these are your com pounding years. Yeah, tell all your friends to do that too. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Ready? Next question is from Marianne. Hi, KT and Susie. I purchased the must-have documents last year, but I was overwhelmed when I started the process. I bet. I have no close friends or a family of my own. That's why she's overwhelmed. The must-have documents themselves. Easy peasy. You know, that are distributed by Hay House, everybody. 
They're so easy, I can't even tell you. So this is her question. She said, I finally made the decision and got the courage to ask my sister to be my executor. She's coming to visit for a couple of days, and I'm hoping we can fill the forms out together. I was planning to add her also to my Alliant account so she would have access to pay for any necessary expenses on my behalf. And then she said, Susie, I'm realizing now I should simply give her power of attorney. I'm assuming there's a form for this as part of the must-have document package. I would love to learn more about giving someone power of attorney and if there's any pros or cons. Yeah. So that's what, what um Yeah, part Marianne's of the must-have documents, there, there are four documents, five documents really in there all together. And one of them is a financial power of attorney that in case you become incapacitated, whatever it may be, you've already named somebody that can help you do that. However, it is really far better for you if you ever become incapacitated or you need somebody to help you within the trust of the must-have documents is an incapacity clause. So you would name your sister successor trustee in that trust. And that truthfully is the best way for you to protect yourself. However, here's what concerns me about this question. You say you have no close friends or family. Her own family. Right. Your Meaning own children. And, oh, is that what that yeah, means? Yeah, because her sisters are family. She says family of my own. Oh, I got yeah. it. All right. So because a sister is a family. You just need to know that whoever the person is that you designate as successor trustee to take over if you can't do it yourself or executor or you give them power of attorney is somebody that you can trust that loves you, that will take care of you, that will not really take advantage of the money and things like that. So just know that, and I'm sure this is the case, but not always, that your sister fits the bill. All right, KT. Okay, this next question is from Linda. She said, Susie, I have a pet care business and I listen to your podcast every day when I'm walking the dogs. I like that. So she said, I'm divorced for 10 years. At the time of my divorce, my ex-husband had to be on the mortgage so I could get a mortgage. Yeah. So now she's saying, I took all of my alimony in a lump sum and I bought a home. Today, it's worth half a million dollars. I only owe 65000 Several years back, I removed him from the deed, but he's still on the mortgage. Mm. My mortgage is $850 a month. The question is, I have a beneficiary that will get my home. Does the ex-husband have any rights to my home? And then here's the clincher. So he still calls it his house. So she's asking simply, will my beneficiary run into problems getting my home? Pop quizzy, pop quizzy. Okay, want me to answer That's that? a pop quizzy for you. Okay. Because um, I need you to know the answer to this. She's, you've got, I think you have to get him off the mortgage because having him on the mortgage, I think, gives him the right to do things like take a equity line of, you know, a home equity line of credit or take money out or do things to 
stop the sale or the, I don't know. I, I think that. Is that your final answer? It's not really an answer. It's I'm kind of guessing that you have to get them off the mortgage. <laughs> so it doesn't matter? <laughs> it's just that you are sprung. Wait, does it matter if he's honored or not? No, it doesn't matter. Oh, Susie. <laughs> oh, you're so bad. Let me tell you why KT is saying, right, I'm so bad, is that I said, okay, maybe that should be a quizzy as she was reading it. And I said, no, it's okay. I don't want it to be your quizzy because I have another quizzy that I picked out for her. Then she was asking me all the questions about it as if it was going so to be a quizzy. So I'm thinking if he has nothing to do with the payments, who cares if he's on the mortgage? Right. But then but I'm anyway, wondering- so here's the point, everybody. Good for you, Linda. If you really want to stick an X with something seriously, have them on the mortgage because they don't own the house. But if you were to stop paying that mortgage, it would ruin their credit rating, just so you know. And they would need to pay that mortgage legally, even though they don't own the house. So as soon as you pay the house off, they have no claim to it. They can think they do. It has nothing to do with it. But the really smart way to do something is to have them off the deed, but on the mortgage. The reverse of that is never find yourself in a situation like Linda's ex is in, where you are on the mortgage, but you're not on the title. Mm. That is so dangerous. I can't even tell you. KT, I think we have room for one more. I kind of like this one, everybody. It's from John Zell. I like John Zell. I like the name. John Zell. All right. Hi, Susie and KT. I love your podcast, and I appreciate the value you add to so many lives. I'm 31. I'm a therapist in a solo practice. Oh, we have another youngin. Yeah. I hate youngin. Don't call them youngin. What should I call them? I have another young, smart listener, not yeah. a youngin. Youngin is that makes you sound like you're 150 years old. I kind of sometimes feel it. All right. Anyway, sorry <laughs> about 31. that. I'm 31. I'm a therapist <laughs> in a solo practice. I started saving for retirement two years ago when my accountant mentioned the tax benefits of contributing to a SEP IRA. The question I have comes from what I've learned from you about a Roth IRA. My SEP IRA is not a Roth, but has the tax benefit for my business. I'm contributing about $6,500 annually to my SEP. Is it best to keep doing what I'm doing and putting money into my SEP, or should I instead be putting money into the Roth? You can make this a quizzy. I would do, I'd get both. I'd do both. So anyway, trying to decide of a tax benefit to my business via a SEP IRA is better for me or if the tax benefits of a Roth IRA are better? In the long run, the tax benefits of being able to withdraw money that has grown for at least 30 or 40 years, since you're only 31, is better in a Roth IRA versus a SEP IRA. However, it is so funny, KT, that that was the question that you asked. Because the quizzy that I had picked for you today oh, no. <laughs> was, I make too much money to have a Roth IRA, 
My CPA told me the only way to have a Roth is to open a SEP IRA and then convert it to a Roth. Is that true? Yeah. All right. So Mm -hmm. now we have a situation in the question that you just asked me that we have this person who's 31 who has a SEP IRA and can get a tax write-off for it for the time, but maybe in bad years when she doesn't have a whole lot of income or whatever it may be, she could then convert it to a Roth IRA and pay taxes on it then, but then it's in a Roth. So is it true that that's the only way she can get money into a Roth retirement account? No, why doesn't she just open a Roth? She has a Roth. Right? Doesn't she say she has a Roth? No. She has a SEP. Right. She's wondering if she should, if she's better off having the Roth IRA versus the SEP. So that answer to that question is really depends on her situation and her income. Income. However, if all she's doing is depositing $6,500 into a SEP IRA, I think you would be far better off putting it into a Roth IRA since that's the maximum you can put into a Roth IRA as well. However, all of you need to know that as of the year 2023, Mm. for the first time ever, drum roll, (laughs) (laughs) there is now a Roth SEP IRA. So So if you make up more money than the Roth minimum, you can now open this Roth. Because you can put into up to 25% of your net income up to, I think it's $66,000. So if you could have a Roth SEP IRA and put more than $6,500 into it, that is what I would be doing. There you go. And then the answer to the quizzy is that you need to tell your CPA that it's not the only way to get money into a Roth by converting from a SEP IRA, since you can now have a Roth SEP IRA. KT, that's it. Go on. Should I have one? Should you have what? A Roth SEP IRA. (sighs) Actually, you might want to. Yeah. You know what? Because I, yeah, because I make more money than... The minimum. Yeah. You know what? You know what? Maybe I should have a SEP IRA. Yeah, you should too, Susie. Oh my God, we just learned something. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up. We're gonna go open them right now. It's Thursday. (laughs) Okay, ready, Susie. So wherever you go today, everybody. What are you gonna do? Wherever you go. Today, wherever I go. So you mixed it up there. Okay, all right, right. Because I'm excited about opening up my SEP Roth IRA. (laughs) We'll talk to the CPA about it. All right. Anyway, today, now there's really, KT, see, this is quite the podcast today. What we want to say to all of you is that we really only, there's really only one thing we want you to do every single day. And that is to say what, KT? Hit it. Wherever I go. No. Whatever I do. No. 
<laughs> Open it up for me. Today. Today. Wherever I go. I will create <laughs> a more loving. No, joyful. Well, I can do, you can change that threesome any way you want. Ready? <laughs> loving, joyful, and peaceful. Peaceful world or peaceful, loving, joyful or loving, peaceful, joyful. You can mix and match, by the way, everybody. As long as you do that, you are going to be unstoppable. unstoppable. I'm unstoppable. I'm a buzzer with no brakes. I'm invincible. See, I win every single game. Mine's so powerful. I don't need batteries to play. I'm so confident, yeah, I'm unstoppable today, unstoppable today, unstoppable today, unstoppable today, yeah, I'm unstoppable today. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman is acting as a certified financial planner, advisor, a certified financial analyst, an economist, CPA, accountant, or lawyer. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman make any recommendations as to any specific securities or investments. All content contained in this podcast is for informational and general purposes only and does not constitute financial accounting or legal advice. You should consult your own tax, legal, and financial advisors regarding your particular situation. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman accepts any responsibility for any losses which may arise from accessing or reliance on information in this podcast. And to the fullest extent permitted by law, we exclude all liability for loss, damages, direct or indirect, arising from the use of this information. The must-have documents discussed in this podcast are legal documents created by a lawyer and distributed by Hay House.